Welcome to the Nourished Woman podcast, hosted by yours truly, Gabby Warsrink, holistic nutritionist and passionate women's health educator. Together on this podcast, we are going to open up the conversation around hormones, holistic healing, relationships, self-development, and everything in between, so you can feel empowered, educated, and ready to take your health and life into your own hands. All right, hello everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you all had a great weekend and feel rested and recharged and got some sunshine if it was nice weather where you are at. In today's episode, I want to dive into insulin resistance and blood sugar management and why it's so crucial when it comes to our hormonal health. And I think it's something that gets overlooked and isn't um, considered really important. We kind of look more at like food or stress or supplements or, you know, whatever that might, might be. Um, but we don't really look at insulin resistance and our blood sugar management, which is honestly like a foundation. So when I work with clients, I lay a foundation. That's our beginning is that we want to lay a foundation, get all the basics down so that we can build from there. And a lot of times laying that foundation, getting those routines in can drastically improve your health and just having those hormone supportive habits and laying the foundation of like proper digestion and blood sugar management and sleep is crucial. So the reason why I wanted to talk about blood sugar management and insulin resistance is because one, it's overlooked and two, I find that it's a huge, huge factor for a lot of people. I have a lot of clients who come to me who aren't ovulating or they're not having a cycle or they have PCOS and insulin resistance is definitely a factor with PCOS. I see it very commonly. And I think for like the general population, insulin resistance and um, blood sugar dysregulation is very, very common, but a lot of people don't like realize that. And it's due to our stressful lifestyles. It's due to like environmental reasons. It's due to the oils that we consume. It's due to stress, like all that kind of stuff. So A lot of people think about blood sugar and they always think about diabetics. They don't think about like an average healthy person. And I will say that a lot of times people will look at like a thin person and they think that they are like the epitome of health and they think that nothing's wrong with them. But I will tell you right now that even if you are thin or whatever body shape you may be, you can have blood sugar problems. Um, And even if you don't have like you're not diabetic, you don't have that label or that disease, you can still have blood sugar issues and that could be contributing to your problems. You just aren't at the stage yet where you're a full-blown diabetic. You could just have like a little bit of blood sugar dysregulation. Obviously, everyone starts somewhere um, and then that kind of obviously progresses if you don't address it and don't make changes. So I wanted to talk a little bit about symptoms or things that you could experience if you are having blood sugar dysregulation. So unbalanced blood sugar can look like having really crazy high energy, like highs basically, where you're just on a high, you feel great, and then all of a sudden crashing really, really hard. If you have intense sugar and caffeine cravings, like if you feel like you have to have something sweet or you have to have caffeine or you're you're constantly in that vicious cycle, that's a huge indicator as well. If you feel really, really hungry after like an hour or two of eating, that is another big sign. That's basically telling you that your body's not able to utilize the food that you just gave it. Um, or the food wasn't obviously sustainable enough to keep you going and and keep your blood sugar stable. Now your body's like, okay, I need more food. I need more fuel. Uh, Other really big 
things that can help tell you that there's some blood sugar problems is that you have intense fatigue. Um, just generally, like when you wake up, you feel very fatigued. If you are very moody or have anxiety or have meltdowns very easily, if you have a lot of trouble falling asleep, that's another indicator. Or if you wake up frequently in the night or you just wake up and you don't feel rested, that could be a sign that you're uh, waking frequently in the night or may not even be realizing it. And so a little side note or side story here is that whenever I have like a few glasses of wine or if I have like a treat or a snack in the evening, um, that's obviously not like blood sugar supportive. I have the worst sleep because I frequently wake up and it's because of my blood sugar. And it's crazy because when you're eating a certain way and in a certain routine and following this and you feel really great and then you do something that's different, you instantly notice like, okay, that is what did it. That's what threw me off. So that's the little side note of how that could be impacting your sleep. And again, sleep is huge for healing too. So that's a few different ways that you could pretty much assume and figure out that, okay, I think I have some blood sugar problems. If you have a a general, like a few of those, then that's probably telling you there's something going on there. So um, I want to dive into now why unbalanced blood sugar and insulin resistance is a huge like recipe for disaster when it comes to hormones because a lot of people just don't connect blood sugar and hormones they're like "Hmm, I don't really see like where this kind of ties into so when we look at insulin and sugar in the the bloodstream and being utilized by the cell so I'm going to give you a little uh, background a little basic kind of understanding so essentially we have our cell you can think of it as like a box and it has a little like receptor spot. So basically like a kind of like a, a, a lock and key sort of thing. So it has a spot where something can dock onto there. And so basically when you eat a meal, you eat carbs, your body is like, okay, we need some insulin. So the pancreas is going to pump out insulin into the bloodstream. And the insulin is like that, that uh, key that goes into that lock on the cell. And so basically the insulin will come in, grab that glucose, dock onto the cell, lock in, and then that's how the cell can utilize glucose, which is perfect. That's like in an ideal, perfect, healthy person. You want to have that happening because we want, obviously our main fuel source for ourselves is glucose. And we want to have that going into this, into the cell and not floating around in the bloodstream. However, with the the ways that we've been living, the food supply, like just everything going on, we are not having this perfect situation. So we end up having, um, the body becomes insulin resistant. So the cells become insulin resistant. If you're looking at a cellular level, those, those uh, cells don't allow glucose or sorry, uh, insulin to dock on and get the glucose into the cell. And this happens because the cell is very inflamed and is very unwell essentially. And so it's so inflamed and rigid that it's not going to allow that in. And also a lot of other things like nutrients and stuff have a hard time getting into, which is kind of why people are just like, so run down and not well, but Anyways, in this, in talking about insulin and, and glucose, so if insulin cannot dock onto the cell and get the glucose into the, into the uh, cell, that means that we're going to have a lot of glucose floating around the bloodstream. That's going to be wrecking a lot of havoc um, and as well as excessive insulin because the body's still pumping out insulin, but the cell's not responding to it. So the body's like, okay, I need to pump out even more, even more. And so that's going to just have a huge amount of insulin and sugar in the bloodstream, which we do not want. So when we have excessive insulin in the bloodstream, there's a a few things that can happen. So first off, we have an increase in LH and LH is our luteinizing hormone. And so luteinizing hormone 
is something that normally is going to kick in in the second half of our cycle. Um, but when we have an excessive amount, everything is fine in healthy amounts. When we have an excessive amount, it's actually going to cause our ovaries to produce lots of androgens. And androgens are hormones like testosterone. And so that is going to happen in the ovaries. We're going to have a lot of testosterone, a lot of androgens, um, and less estradiol or estrone. So that's our, our estrogens. And this is going to be a huge problem because we're obviously not going to have like a normal, healthy balance of those hormones there. When we also have high insulin, we have low sex hormone binding globulin. And so sex hormone binding globulin binds to free testosterone in the blood. So when we have low amounts of sex hormone binding globulin, we have more free testosterone. And that means that we're going to have obviously more androgenic and more testosterone in the body. So we're going to have more of those symptoms that are linked to uh, high androgens. So things like hirsutism, you're going to have uh, facial hair growth. You can have acne, oily skin. Um, you can have anger issues, mood issues, all those sorts of things. So that is a huge problem when we have that excess testosterone. And then um, again, we're going to have that interruption between ovaries and the brain, obviously. So we're going to have that kind of dysregulation and disconnect between the those, those organs, those glands, and producing the proper amounts of hormones. So we're going to have, that's going to be totally off. So that's not, we're going to have like no regular cycle, of course. So the last thing I want to touch on is insulin resistance also increases the activity of the aromatase enzyme. So if you haven't heard of the aromatase enzyme, it actually converts testosterone back into estrogen. So not only do we have these high testosterone symptoms because we're having really high androgen production, but insulin resistance can also cause that testosterone that you're producing in mass amounts now to be converted to estrogen. So you kind of think of it as like a little pathway. It's going to estrogen. And when we have excess estrogen, we're going to have more of those estrogen dominant symptoms. And Again, also with the lack of communication between the ovaries and the brain, and we're not having a regular cycle, we're not going to be ovulating. So basically, you're going to have this huge disconnect between your cycle, and you're going to have a huge dysregulation. So not only is this messing with your energy and your mood and all this stuff, but you're messing with your cycle, you're messing with ovulation, you're messing with progesterone and estrogen. So we're going to be in an estrogen-dominant state, we're going to have ovulation delayed, we're going to have low progesterone, and we're going to have high testosterone. So we're going to have a whole just mess of sex hormone imbalances, essentially. So that is kind of the 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 background and the the, you know, what was kind of going on underneath there. So why is this happening and what can we do about it? So from what I've been researching and what I've been reading the most of, I think sugar has gotten a bad rap. And I'm not saying that sugar is not a contributor because I do believe it is, has a part to play, of course, because we are consuming, in general, extremely highly processed foods with very refined sugars. We're eating a lot of sugar that we don't realize. Sugar's in everything. So we're eating a lot of processed foods. Um, sugar has really gotten the rap for having you know, blood sugar issues. However, in these processed foods, what else do we have in there? What other ingredients are there? There's always an industrial seed oil that's highly refined, highly inflammatory. And what is causing that insulin resistance? Inflammation of the cell because the cell is not allowing that insulin to dock on. So as much as I 
focus on sugar and obviously you want to look at more natural sources of sugar you want to look at the best sources of having it and also having it with like a protein and a fat to help balance it you really need to like hone in on the oils you are consuming and really being diligent with checking your packages or purchasing oils to cook with that are good so i honestly like it's really horrible because every processed food has canola oil or soybean oil or um, safflower, sunflower, all of those. And they've been touted as healthy. And there's a whole backstory behind that too. But essentially they were touted as healthy. And then like the saturated fats like coconut oil, butter, ghee, um, animal fats were touted as, as bad, as horrible for you. And in fact, it's just not the case. So unfortunately that's now what's in all of our packaged food. It's in, I think, all restaurants, essentially, unless you're going to a restaurant that's really um, aware and obviously using those oils. But we really want to avoid all of those inflammatory industrial seed oils. We want to focus on adding in more saturated fats um, and also focusing on the oils that we're using. Are they heat stable? Are we able to cook with them? Because a lot of people will cook with fats that aren't super stable. Olive oil is one that can be used for low heat. I tend to try not to use it for cooking. I try to use it for like salad dressings or drizzling on top of cooked foods that are done. Avocado oil is also another one that is generally pretty safe. But again, I try not to have excessive amounts of it. I really try to cook with like saturated fats, animal fats, so like butter um, or ghee or coconut oil. Coconut oil is my hands down, my favorite. I really, really enjoy it. And coconut oil is a nice one because it's plant-based. So for, it'll kind of fit in for everybody. It's, it's dairy-free. So if you have trouble with dairy, digesting it, it's a really great option. If you have trouble with dairy, but you want to try butter or something like that, you could try ghee. Ghee is a uh, clarified butter. So it's going to be more easily digested, but really it comes down to just reducing inflammation, getting back to the whole foods and just eating foods that you know the ingredients of and that are simple, just simple really. So processed foods are a huge source of it and even like healthy foods have it. So it's really, really important to be mindful of the foods and the products that you're using because they can even be in like supplements and things like that. So I really try to steer clear of those and try not to be afraid of saturated fats because they are very good for us. They're very heat stable and they're very stable in the body. They're not going to oxidize and cause damage. And they're also the way they're processed. If you're getting high quality ones, they're not you know, chemically um, involved and like using really high temperatures and things like that. So that's why, uh, that's one area that I really try to like hone in on because a lot of people think they're not consuming these oils if they're not cooking with them. But in fact, like you could be eating, you know, like a bar, you could be eating a salad dressing, you could be eating out for lunch and you could be getting like micro doses of these oils every single day and not even realizing it. So that is a really big thing that I focus on with clients is getting them away from those fats and it's huge and just generally processed foods. Um, Some other things that you can do for blood sugar management is having regular meals every three to four hours. So that's like manually balancing your blood sugar. You're going in, you're making sure that you are eating. You're not going like seven, eight hours without eating because that's like the worst stress on the body. Um, We do not want to have that. We want to have stable blood sugar. We want to have that 
you know, good balanced meal. And then going into the whole balanced meal, we want to have a protein, fat, and carb at each meal. So we want to have a nice balance so that they all help each other out because protein actually lowers your blood sugar. So if you have a protein on its own, that can be a problem because it can lower your blood sugar too much. Um, carbs raise it, obviously. Fats help stabilize it. Um, and so having a balance of all of those, they really work well together. And you do notice a huge difference once you start doing this and start eating this way. You start to feel really good. You can go longer um, between meals. You don't have to eat every single hour, which is something that I experienced that was such a pain because your whole life ends up revolving around food and you're just always hungry and hangry and moody and getting headaches and, and all that kind of stuff. So having this way of eating can be so, so, so beneficial for you, not only for your hormones and your health, but just it ends up taking this like huge stressor off always having to eat or always having to revolve your life around food. So I really think that those are probably the biggest tips I can give for blood sugar management just eating whole real foods, swapping out your fats, looking for the good ones, um, eating regular balanced meals every three to four hours. That is it. That's honestly the best thing that you can do. Obviously manage, managing stress as well. Stress has a huge role in it too, but that's a whole other topic. I can do a whole nother uh, podcast episode on stress. So I hope that that was really helpful for you guys. If you have any other questions about this, feel free to let me know and I can do more about this topic. I just wanted to highlight this because it seems to be a really like overlooked topic, especially when it comes to hormones and hormonal health and trying to balance your hormones. So I really do think that balancing your blood sugar is going to be the foundation that you want. And that's what I lay with my clients when we start working together, we lay the foundations, we want to get you, you know, having a nice balanced meals, you want to have that digestion on point and your sleep and everything. And it really does all tie in together. So once you improve one area, it's going to improve others. So if you struggle with your sleep, blood sugar may be something that you want to put on your radar and, and focus on because a lot of people wouldn't really connect sleep and blood sugar, but it could totally be affecting your blood sugar. So your sleep. Sorry. Um, but anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode again. Let me know if you have any questions. Um, and I hope you guys have a great afternoon or morning when you're listening to this. We have new episodes every single Monday. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate a rating and review on iTunes and we will see you next week.